Spotify paid like a hundred million bucks for Joe Rogan. Do you think they did that because it's a dying art? That's a big bet. And then they spent what fifty or sixty million on call her daddy or whatever, and then they spent eighty million on Smartless or something like that. Like they're spending, let's say half a billion dollars in the next few years on podcasts i mean that's a really big bet if it's just daniel like being like you know i just love the spoken word art form no 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 this is a business this is a business and it's a growing business for sure on this episode of the introverted iconoclast we welcome the legendary jordan harbinger the prolific podcaster adventurer and charisma king Jordan's life, similar to mine, has taken some fascinating twists and turns. But as you will hear in this episode, it sounds like the best is yet to come. From discussing taking the road less traveled, to Leonardo DiCaprio breaking the fourth wall, to the recent events with Spotify and Joe Rogan, this is without question one of the best episodes yet. Enjoy. Hey, Jordan. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, Pleasure's mine. Absolutely. Well... I'm glad we can make this happen. And it's it's funny because uh, as I was mentioning to you just a second ago before we started recording, there are a myriad of things I could have I could talk to you about. Obviously, the more I watch your podcast, the more I see things that really kind of intrigue me, the more I'm like, man, I could talk to him about that all day long. So I had to zero in on like, what could we talk about that would be really salient to the audience that I have, which are primarily entrepreneurial. They tend to be in tech. They're either past their first you know, sale of a company and they're kind of trying to figure out the next move. Do they pig farm in Maui and eventually commit suicide or do they actually build another company? I've been down both sort of didn't commit suicide, but I've definitely been to the Maui place. I noticed that. Um, yeah. Worked out. For yeah. Me. Did uh, you pig farm in Maui though? I did not pig farm, but I did have an avocado, okay. I have an avocado ranch there and whatnot. So it's pretty cool. Huh. That's a good, really- if you're going to have a midlife crisis, getting an avocado ranch is one of the most sort of <laughs> like uh, benign versions thereof. So congrats on that. It is. Thank you, man. Yeah. I haven't been back since the pandemic, but I need to need to do that. But uh, but so what's interesting is the common theme. And as I listened to your trailer, it's funny because I listened to that. Then I listened to a series of, of ones you did. Man, I listened to the one that was really good with, um, was it Tom that did the, on Jolo recently? Oh, yeah, yeah. Tom uh, Nichols from Billion Dollar Whale. So yeah. for people who don't know what we're talking about, Tom Nichols is a journalist that exposes high level corruption. So he's making friends all over the place. You know, like people want to kill him. Yeah. Literally they want to kill him. And he exposed this massive, like multi-billion dollar financial fraud, uh, from a investment vehicle that the prime minister of Malaysia kind of like went down for. And there's this missing Chinese billionaire who took uh, and spent a ton of the money. And he was like hanging out with Leonardo DiCaprio. That story is How is there, how there's not a movie of this is beyond me. There has to be something in production. They're just not talking about. I know. And is that money that's making that movie stolen money? Like the Wolf of Wall Street money? I mean, it's like, is this like those Russian dolls? (laughs) And also look, if he was hanging out with Leonardo DiCaprio, Terry Crews, or not Terry Crews, Jamie Foxx, like, are they going to be in the movie and play themselves? Or are they going to be like, oh no, it's bad for my brand. Like, that's what I want to know. Are they going to play themselves and just fess up to it? If they do it right, man, and they do breaking the fourth wall on it, like a good Deadpool movie, that would be incredible. I'd be that would be cool. great. Like imagine yeah. Leo being like, so at this point, I had absolutely no idea this guy had stolen all this money. And then just yes. back to the scene where he's like yeah. gambling and hanging out. That would be brilliant. <laughs> that Scorsese to do it too again. Yeah. Oh yeah. god, I'm getting excited about it. And it's not even anything I'll ever I know, have part of being <laughs> maybe, maybe we manifested it. Who knows? That'd be great. Yeah. Oh, no, I Tom has got to do that. 
Yeah, no, it'd be fantastic. But I'll tell you that podcast like locked it in for me as far as the topic, like, cause so your trailer was interesting because, um, and I don't know if you had ch- too much of a chance to know much about my background. It's absolutely ridiculous as far as how I got to where I am. The series of events that I could never have predicted that led me <laughs> here is incredible. It's similar what I imagined to your life in some ways because you can't predict where you're going to end up. And then when I found out, well, I found out fairly early, this is not in chronological order, but you being a formally trained lawyer, I mean, you literally went to school for one of the least risk averse jobs ever. Like you're there to avoid risk. True. True. Right? Yeah. Lo and behold, true. you are with really a fantastic kind of career that I'm not saying it's terribly risky. It's not like maybe what Tom's doing, but you definitely have had your brushes with threats and, and experiences and you certainly are learning. You know what to ask people now, which is really very, very interesting. So I guess Only that a few was- people want to kill me. That's so I do have that going for me. Well, good. To you know, that type of, of count isn't one you want high. So that's yeah, good. That's true. Um, I did do a little bit of research on you, but I mean, you cybersecurity type guys are always kind of, it's, it's hard to tell because one, right. there's a lot of nonsense in your industry. So people hype oh, yeah. themselves up. Not that I assumed you were doing that. Yeah. But the, it's like fitness where people are like, yes, yeah. tr- trainer to the stars. And it's like, yeah. cool. You worked out at a gym once with Terry Crews. I get it. You know? Um, yeah. And there's that name again. And then, but like the hacking and the phishing and ransomware or whatever it is, sure. uh, you kind of look at those guys and you by design don't have like a ton of information out there. Like I can't right. find your Pinterest profile if you have, right. like, you know, right. you're, exactly. you guys yeah. are harder to research. No, totally, totally makes And I agree with you completely. I mean, we're seeing a whole new breed of them come about now that have, um, they're trying to have a sensational side to them. And yeah, to be perfectly honest, if you're in cybersecurity, sensationalism isn't the best thing. You know, with my situation, I got in a, drag out fight with anonymous back in 11 and all that did was piss my wife off and make us fearful of what would transpire so to be perfectly fair yes i did fall off social media for quite a while and now here i am trying to build it back up which is a weird experience to be honest now that it's just a complete shit show out there there's so much junk have you talked about the anonymous beef on your show i did that was my last well not my very last episode but the one before and it uh Gets into some pretty serious detail on what happened, which is pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I'd caught that because I was going to say that sounds pretty compelling. That's a good trailer. Or, yeah. Or a good uh, teaser, not a trailer. A good teaser. Yeah. Exactly. In fact, the the little uh, soundbite that I use before the show starts is the CNN broadcast with Susan Candiotti talking about it with me. So I kind of lure people in about me calling them juvenile on camera. All and right. Then getting upset. So it was fantastic. But so... Yeah, what caught my ear uh, with you was essentially the the whole, you know, you're you're kind of I don't want to say you're working for State Department, but you were overseas. You were in a variety mm-hmm. of places in Europe. And did you ever were you f- interested in getting into business, or were you just on an adventure that you were letting it kind of go the way it was going to go and see where you ended up? I mean, how did that how did that start? Well, I think candidly, I yeah. really didn't have a friggin' clue where I was going to go and what I was going to do. And I, I, I'm telling you this because I, one thing I can't stand yeah. is when people complete a story and like they've got to where they are in business or something. And they're like, yeah, line. I knew when I was eight years old that I was going to be the CEO of a high growth SaaS company. And it's like, right. dude, calm down. The yeah. internet didn't exist when you were that age. Why are you making it seem that way? It's a disservice to everyone who's listening. So I'm going to be yeah. as brutally honest as I can. And I, and I always say this, when I was younger, I thought, oh, my God, how the hell am I going to get a job? I don't know 
what can keep my attention, let alone what I'm good at. I'm probably never going to amount to anything in any traditional career that's not just soul sucking. I guess I better resign myself to a soul sucking career, which is, but I was good in school. So it wasn't like, oh, my kid's going to end up in prison. It was more, well, well, eh, my, my mom <laughs> did have those days. Um, right. But like, uh, especially with the wiretapping and stuff that we can talk about later if you're interested. But like, yeah. I really thought, okay, this I just gonna I'm gonna have to get as good as I can at the game, which the game is do, do well in school, go to grad school potentially, and then get a career that pays well. Period. Sure. Like that's the game. And I thought this game sucks, but at least I can win it. Mm -hmm. And then I became a lawyer on Wall Street, and I was like okay, I'm not going to be a lawyer for long, but I'm eventually going to figure out what I want to do, but I don't know what those things are. Because think about this. When you're young, you don't know any jobs. You're like fireman, policeman, army yeah. man, nurse, doctor. And then like yeah. if your mom is a teacher, or I guess you know teachers because you're in school. But if your dad's like an engineer, you're like, oh, an engineer's a job. And p kids yeah. whose parents were lawyers are like, a lawyer's a job. That's it. That's all you know. And then I'm like, well, yeah. And as I get older, that expanded. And I'm like, wait a minute. When I was in college, I was like, okay, that same list plus guy who works at a restaurant, dry cleaner, car repair. Like I did, I still didn't know what most people did. Right. And as a grown ass man, I don't even know what most people do. Like, think about it. You don't know what people's careers are ever. So we're so woefully untrained for this. So I basically just decided, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to work as a lawyer and then like dot, 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 figure it out. Mm -hmm. But I'd started a podcast about networking that quickly became a dating and relationships show. And then mm -hmm. I realized I really liked psychology because that was the thread between networking and the dating and relationships, body language, nonverbal, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I kept doing the podcast while I was a lawyer, ended up on Sirius XM satellite radio um, as kind of a freak thing. And then mm -hmm. I, after a while, I was like, wait a minute. I know I have massive imposter syndrome, like, oh, I'm not a real broadcaster because I'm just a podcaster and I didn't go to school for this. But mm -hmm. I also thought that about being a lawyer and here I am working on Wall Street, not that I was good at it or anything. But then again, I'm employed by Sirius XM Satellite Radio doing a show yeah. in the evening drive on Friday. So I'm obviously not crap at this. Like I'm good enough to be on an internationally sort of syndicated uh, satellite radio show that goes all over. It's not really syndicated because it's satellite, but it goes all over the US and Canada. There's yeah. something there. So that sort of led me to believe like, all right, I... I have some capabilities here. I should figure out what I'm going to do. And then when the economy crashed in 2008, it was mm -hmm. like I, I was faced with the dilemma of either you get another job that you don't want mm -hmm. as a lawyer and it's going to be hard. And it's not going right. to be handed to you on a platter like the first one was. Or you can go and you can do the podcast thing and do training and do all this other stuff that you love doing mm -hmm. and take a pay cut but you'd be happy. And I was like, I'm going to take the pay cut and be happy, which is great because that pay cut turned into me making way more money than any of the partners that ever hired me at that law firm, which is amazing. And also kind of an accident. No, it's incredible. And what's really beautiful about that. And I know you don't want to put a nice bow at the end of it, but you kind of did inadvertently because you finally got to that reality, which is what am I actually enjoying? Um, I did. I had the same grappling problem as a as a kid. I literally went to art school. I ended up a, as a photographer because it frankly was like the most like t tangible art I could do, rather than being a literal artist. I was like, "There's no <laughs> like way. drawing." Yeah, exactly. Or you know, painter or something on the streets of New York. That's not going to work out. And not that a photographer was really any better. There's so many people trying to do that. But it's funny because each little step led me down a path I would never have been able to predict. 
getting me somewhere that would that would take me, you know, now, you know, getting into intelligence and then ultimately into cybersecurity where I shifted from getting the intelligence to protecting it. Fascinating mm-hmm. path. And I'm not done, you know, by any stretch, but you know, one of the things that was interesting and what kind of did spawn this topic is with people I've spoken with, they're they've gotten past that first step and they're like, okay, I've nailed it down. I can't leave this. Now I'm stuck because I built this apparatus around me that I can't let go of all that time investment and you know, expectations of others, parental expectations. That's a big one. Siblings, spousal, all that crap. It's so weird. And and it, in the pandemic, man, I'll tell you, like now you're getting this forced shift. People are Uh either out, pushed out because they have to be pushed out for a variety of reasons. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff we could talk about, or they're making a choice to leave. And I think that this is why it's a timely topic to say, Hey man, if you're going to take, or ladies, if you're going to take that jump, that leap, no better time. No better time. I'm not a professional. I agree with you. But this is damn fun. I'm having a blast with it. It's incredibly exciting. I'm not here for the money. It's who knows if it ever turns into that. But I'm telling you, I'm having a good time. And if I have your good fortune, then even better. Yeah. So. Look, man, I think you're you're absolutely right that now is a great time. Mm-hmm. When I do you have kids? I do. I have three. Uh- Oh, do you yeah. remember everyone saying there's no there's no such thing as a good time to have kids? Did you ever have that conversation like with everyone? Yeah, no, three times I did. Yeah. Okay, three times. I was going to say yeah. probably each time you had a kid, but whatever. Yeah, so I've had the same thing. I have two kids, and it's like every time it, it's like, well, it's not a great time. And I will tell you, having a kid during a pandemic, best oh, time slash worst time to have a kid. But also, look, you can't go anywhere anyway. There's right. always it's always never a good time. It's the same thing with starting your own business. It's the same thing with leaving a job. It's the same yep. thing with starting a new career. And I know it's easy for us to say that because we already sort of like took our leaps right. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But the pandemic is a great time to screw something up because if you end up going off on your own for six months and then you're you have a gap in your resume, you go, yeah. well it was COVID and people go, fair. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yep. It, and like there's all kinds of resources people will understand if you're doing something else now people will understand if you leave a uh, something else now and frankly right now workers have the most leverage of all probably in a long time oh, yeah. so if you if you say look i need friday afternoons off cuz i'm working on something and your right. boss is like no you can probably find a place that's like take the whole day off every friday i don't care we need somebody for this position so 100%. you can do so you can make a switch like that or you can negotiate. You just have more leverage to negotiate things with a company, especially now that you're possibly just working from home anyway. How are they going to even know? Just yeah. say you're not going to be on Slack on Friday afternoon because you're working on something. Like they don't even have to know now that you're yeah. doing something. Yeah, so exactly. It's it's prime time, man, for taking risk. It is. It is, and I think that's that's the interesting part. Timeliness. You know, it's like it's clear to guys like us that this is the perfect time. Now comes the the emotional commitment to do it. Yeah. And, I, you know, when I sort of thought back and I was like, okay, how, where was that pivotal moment that I was like, I'm going to make that leap? It's the same thing you just said. I don't think there was a perfect moment. I don't know if you've had those. You kind of just throw yourself into it. You see what happens. I floundered trying to figure out all the pieces for this podcast thing. Even though I had the resources, it's still intimidating. I'm sitting here staring at this like mixer thing that I'd never played with. I go with a keyboard all day long, but this thing that, you know, is mixing all the audio. It yeah, took me a minute, you know, and I didn't go hire a sound engineer. Probably could have, but I rather I rather learn it. And it's fun. I remember now. that. I remember figuring out all that stuff, and then also then you find out like oh, I totally didn't need this, right? <laughs> but, but at least I can use it sure. now. 
Like, like, I yeah. totally don't need it. Wait, you mean the software does everything for me and I could have just plugged in a USB mic? That's not as fun as making this way more complicated than it, that, like it now is. Like, I have all these lights and stuff. My wife's I like, st- what do those do? I'm like, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Exactly. Nothing. I stressed all night long on making sure I could get captions done. I'm like, I'm going to have to transcribe this by hand. Oh, and then God. there's a button for it on freaking Adobe Premiere. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I stressed over Yeah. I mean, the force multiplying, I can speak about that all day with, with security and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, you know, can, with convenience comes access and access comes threat and it's all kinds of fun, but yeah, look, yeah. if people want to access my transcripts without authorization, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to put too much. <laughs> I don't want to put too many resources into that. Right. Um, I do. It's funny, you know, not, talking about that. I was just having a conversation because I do speak a lot about China mm-hmm. and you know, look, I'm married to a Chinese woman who's, well, she's American, but my family, my extended sure. family is now Chinese. So people love to say like, Oh, it's racism. Uh, that's okay. what the CCP sort of trolls like to say. Oh, it's racism. Right. And I'm like, oh, let me show you some family photo. You're, you're not yeah. going to like this. Yeah. Um, but uh, I speak a lot about like Chinese information warfare. I have experts on the Jordan Harbinger show that speak about this. And I have, you know, cybersecurity people on and they're often concerned about China. Sure. So I'm I'm currently dealing with a little bit of like Chinese intelligence kind of bug up my butt kind of messing it. around. Like, what was that? Oh, someone's trying to get into our email server. Oh, Google's mm-hmm. emailing me and saying there's this threat against our private domain that's weird and not standard and sure. you know and and uh it, it's funny to to talk about that with you because it's just so timely um it they, is. It you is. know like you you think your transcripts are no big deal but it's like if they're in there getting those they can get other things and like they're looking yeah they're looking for stuff that can embarrass me like they want to get a clip of me doing or saying something that's edited out of a show mm-hmm. is my theory it's edited right. out of a show that makes me look or sound like a really bad person, or they're building a database of th- facial expressions or something for me. So they can well, make their computer do it. I don't know. They'll deep fake you with yeah. enough audio where they get enough words to fabricate anything. Yeah. It's yeah. terrible. It really is. It's scary. Now, and you bring up a really interesting point about that. And I certainly want to, you know, go down a rabbit hole here because it is massively deep, but the one thing that I, because I talk a lot, everyone asks me about attribution with, with what we do with work, right? They're like, well, who did it? And I'm like, look, that's hard for the government to figure out if it was Russia, China, North Korea, Iran, Turkey. It, it's almost impossible, really, unless you have something, a smoking gun. And most of the really good guys will hide that. But there's something to remember, which is interesting about China, and it's not in any kind of pro or con against them, but I think it's really important sociologically. They don't see themselves as criminalistically hacking into the U.S., their society is built to get data for the betterment of the country. And their mentality is if you did not have the wherewithal to protect your asset, you don't deserve it. And we mm-hmm. do. And there, there's no guilt. The Russians, a little different. They're a little bit straight up criminal. They're like, yeah, we're going to go get it. And it doesn't yeah. matter. And to be clear, we're talking about the foreign intelligence services, not your Russian neighbor or the person Definitely. listening to this who's Russian. That's yeah. a good point. I always yeah. have to be careful with that. People are like, you said the oh, Russians. Yeah. How dare you? And I'm like, dude, I'm not talking about your grandma, man. I know. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's funny because I, I, you know, I'll talk about like, you know, the Middle Eastern contingent and they'll be like, oh, how could you possibly like my name's Kareem Hijazi. Guys. <laughs> yeah. Nice try. Wrong guy for that. Yeah, Wrong exactly. guy for that card. <laughs> yeah. So That's no, funny. you're right. And it's just, it's the way of the world now. Um, and it, but I think what's funny you know with your challenge with the internet now everything's on it it's impossible to effectively lock it up i mean you know crypto is a whole ball of wax even your like little ledger wallets and they're they're 
they're gonna they're offline and cold you can still get stuff off of them so imagine well, yeah this, because this- nothing's actually on there it's just a key right it's like yeah. pe- people think that I know we're going all over the place with this show, but whatever. People think like, oh, my ledger wallet, all my crypto, my Bitcoin is offline. No, your Bitcoin's on the blockchain. You have a key offline. It's like saying they can't get in my house. I buried the key in the front yard. They're <laughs> never going to get it. Well, they can kick the door down, right? Well, yeah, but they don't have the key. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, yep, it's yep. just a key. Yeah. It's the mis- so that's most of my day on my day job is explaining some of these more basic concepts to people because they think it's much more complicated than it is. My favorite is people who have everything in offline crypto wallets that are super triple encrypted and then in their desk drawers, like that piece of paper with their seed phrase on it. And I'm like, are these the words that you have for your, this isn't current, is it? Oh, I should probably hide that. It's a post-it note on an Instagram photo. Yeah. You know, really there it is. Yeah. Yeah, You'll find it somewhere like like that. Under the bottom of a desk drawer. I'm like, you know, people have thought of that before, right? Like people have taped Mickey Mantle baseball cards to the bottom of drawers before. Like this is not an original hiding space. It's funny you were uh you did an interview with someone um forgive me I'm gonna mangle her name um but uh, Radcliffe and she, I can't remember Jenny Radcliffe yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah so we we have very similar paths a little bit in history as far as uh, we all know the same people and whatnot she was in a different part of the world so we're doing the same thing but that was very much what we immediately look for you know is the locations that people think are good hiding places the minute that they think that's a good hiding place that's the first place we're gonna go look to get yeah. things. And it's just fascinating to watch that because it never changes. People still go down that. But you're right. We're all over the place. But I think, you know, what's next for you, Jordan? Where where do you go from here? With Because, you know, people view you as someone that has managed. You've built an amazing brand. And that's a big part of what I have learned in recent years. I have an ama- amazing creative team for my, my firm, not what I'm doing with the podcast. And yeah, yeah brand is you know been something neglected a lot in cybersecurity they just sort of assume the data is it you just get it out there there's a few companies that have done a really good job of making sure they really articulate it visually and they get that out in a way that's consumable and intriguing mm-hmm. to the world you've done it really well with yours you know now i'm watching the power of a brand like rogan with the mess that's going on with spotify i'm sure we're yeah all it's crazy yeah. the war on podcasts now jeez that's a, a conversation for another time but yeah, how, it's a different you know, different episode Yes, very much so. But how did you, you know, did you come into that? Did you know you needed to build yourself as a brand independently as an individual that was, that's, I don't know if I'm going very clearly with the question, but I think what I'm getting at is how do you build that? How do you, how did you come to this where you are today with the brand? Well, it's interesting because it was organic, right? Now it's Mm. everybody's a personal brand, get a following on social media. But when I started the, what would have the show that precursor, the precursor to the Jordan Harbinger show, um, it nobody was talking about personal brands. I mean, like there were celebrities and stuff. Sure. But I don't even know if the term personal brand was like a thing people mentioned. It's 2007. Nobody was like, you need to brand yourself. I remember, I think Twitter came out around then Mm -hmm. um, or shortly thereafter. And it was like, some people were followed a lot on Twitter, but that was like their personal brand is they had a lot of Twitter followers. And then it was like, Oh, well on Facebook, I have a lot of friends. Right, but you would, were limited to four or five thousand. It was only people from university. It was weird if you requested somebody you didn't know. It was like, what are you doing? I don't know you. You know, it was kind of more like LinkedIn is now, or LinkedIn's going on that same path. But it was like how LinkedIn was a few years ago. Right, and I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna talk about things that I want to talk about and be really open. Mm-hmm. And that really generated a lot of people going like, oh, here's this guy. So, so it was novel at the time. Now it's like duh you're just talking like a normal human being on a radio mic Mm -hmm. you think you're clever moron like i get that right that vibe 
But remember that in 2007, there weren't really any influencery type people that word wasn't a thing. So me coming on and being like, let me talk about my dating life and be really frank with it. People are like, wow, this guy, because most people who were talking on the radio were like, hey, welcome. Good morning, Houston, 705 in the morning. Whoa, it's a hell one out there already. Like, that's what they were saying. Yeah. Nobody had a per nobody had was talking about anything normal. And yeah. even sort of the talk show hosts that maybe let you into their lives a little bit were like Larry King, who, you know, wasn't super open and like forward facing and didn't show photos of his family. He'd have his kids uh, on or something from someone else. Basically it just uses a hook for someone else to say something probably. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and it was funny cause like years ago I asked Larry King for advice on something and mm -hmm. um, it came about organically and he goes, you always want to let your, a little bit of your personal life show and let the audience see that because no one else is doing that. And I thought, you know, it's funny because that's really obvious advice right now. It's probably 2015. Yeah. But when he started in like 1965 or 55, like, sorry, Larry, I mean, you know, like a long time ago, yeah. RIP Larry King, nobody was doing that. Guys were like reading the weather into a ribbon mic, uh, which is those old sort of like radio mics that you see. And that was it. There was no personal brand. Did you even know that person's name? Probably not, really. Maybe you knew some of those guys like I'm Sonny Elliott and that's the rest of the story or those guys like you knew some of that and that was yeah. it. Right. Yeah, th that was that was it. So to to open like now people are like radically transparent. So I kind of came in much later, but also way before this influencer thing where people are like, here's the underwear I'm wearing today. Mm -hmm. I was just able to talk in long form on the Jordan Harbinger show or the, the old podcast about my dating life and my jobs and all my insecurities that I had going on, but not in a sort of like Larry David neurotic way, but just being very open with whoever I was talking to. Joe mm -hmm. Rogan started his podcast shortly thereafter. And that was sort of that model that him and I were doing was very similar. He was like, yeah. he was less neurotic and, and less uh, sort of dot your I's and cross your T's and more like MMA and comedy, but it was the same thing. It was like, we're going to have a weird conversation and we're just going to leave it up unedited. And I yeah. loved that. And, and that's really one of the reasons why I think the Jordan Harbinger show took off is because guys like me started doing it and guys like Rogan just took it, they took it and ran with it. And now that's what everyone is doing yeah. at, at one level or another. And I think it's been good for the ecosystem. Now, look, love Rogan or hate him. He's definitely brought more attention to this medium, which is good in, a, in many ways, because our choice is like talking heads yelling at each other on Crossfire or whatever uh, that show is. Those shows are like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or like, yeah. uh, or the equivalent thereof. Right. It's just, hi, what do you think, Kareem? Never mind. I'm going to yell over you because yeah. you're a liberal or a whatever. And it's like, this is yeah. so stupid. No one's learning anything. Podcasts, we don't do that. We, we, yeah. we just don't. There's you're no right. show like that. There's no podcast like that. No. And then you bring up, you bring up to a really interesting point now, which is that that's what's so sad is that if there's anything that it was a clear, truly free i mean social media has its own animal associated with it there's a lot of cultivation of narrative these are mm -hmm. free man this is the last yeah. bastion in some ways and it's sad to it see is. that you know we're, and we're living it right now i'm talking about like this week seems like the first of a yeah. very long battle it's and true it's tragic it, and you know it's funny to see people like like i this is the last thing i thought i'd be doing um i just it's funny because I remember when podcasts came out and everyone thought they were tied to iPods. Remember that was like when they first came out, they're like, is it an Apple product? And we're like, no, Yeah, the name is unfortunate Long and it's stuck. It's still here. Yeah. yeah. 
but here we are and it's a really interesting ecosystem because i didn't even bother. my kids watch youtube and i thought okay that's akin to that i'll, I'll i'm not bothering i don't really listen to pocket and now i'm like hooked on yeah. it massively and, and yeah. trying to learn how it all works but if it's going to be attacked now it's just a sad state of affairs and yeah that's yeah. why that's why you know if there's encouragement here it's like you know get on there good or bad authentic or not i mean it's better that people get a form of communication out there because it's so stifled man it's incredible it's interesting you're talking about podcasting being the last bastion because it is in many ways true. A lot of people say, no, no, I mean, Instagram and social media. And Twitter, mm. you're, whenever you're in a walled garden, you're subject to their policing, yeah. censorship, uh, content moderation. And look, for most of the time, that's okay. Most of the yeah. time, it's okay. Yeah. But you also can't create what you want and have it work. So case in point, YouTube. I call this the Jerry Springer effect, Okay. A friend of mine started a podcast a long time ago and is also a YouTube channel. And the YouTube channel quickly outpaced the podcast because that YouTube is really great at generating organic growth and blah, blah, blah. And he started on TikTok and like that started to take off. Well, he was interviewing like neuroscientists, brain researchers, all these really smart people. And then he'd have a celebrity on because why not? You know, got the chance to do it, lives in LA, have a celebrity on. Well, that one got really popular on YouTube. And he's like, well, wait mm -hmm. a minute if my competitors are only having these celebrity people on and they're growing faster than me, then maybe I should just do that. So his show, again, the Jerry Springer effect went from brain researchers, thinkers, inventors. And yeah. now it's like hot actor who who's still sort of relevant and getting enough search traffic that this is going to be worth my while. Yeah. And the reason I call it the Jerry Springer effect is I don't know how old you are, but Jerry Springer oh, used to be the chair. Used to be, Raldo? Was that where yeah. you got in the face? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This is like, yeah. Okay. Perfect. So Jerry Springer used to be a real talk show host. Like he had yeah. serious conversations. Yeah. And then Geraldo Rivera had the, it was like KKK members and the Black Panthers on at the same time or something. Yep. He gets hit in the face with a chair during the show trying to break up Rating a fight. Crazy. Yeah. Breaks his nose. Ratings went bananas. <laughs> and then, uh, Jenny Jones and Jerry Springer and all these uh, Ricky Lake, all these people who yes. used to have like normal talk shows, they just started being like, okay, it's pimps and hoes and trailer mm -hmm. trash moms with 13 year old granddaughter or, you know, like whatever it is. Yeah. And it just got worse and worse and worse. And that's what happens in those, those like, uh, YouTube -y, uh, yeah. closed, what's the, the closed ecosystem where yeah. they, they have to, constantly be out competing each other for clicks so that's why i have literally a friend of mine who does youtube he's a huge youtuber mm -hmm. his older videos are like kind of intelligent and discussions or like funny things his mm -hmm. new videos are like i spent the night in a gigantic bouncy house check it out it's two minutes long and i'm like how come yeah. your videos are two minutes long yeah oh well the algorithm went from longer videos being valuable to yeah. percentage of a video watched as ranking you. So you want people to get to as close to 100% as possible. So now you make yeah. clickbait title, tease all the way to like the last 10 seconds of a short video, because otherwise people will still close it. Then yeah. you give them the payload at the end there, the payoff. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that was a bunch of crap. But that's what the algorithm favors. So this guy has to change all of his creator chops. All of, His whole team has to rejigger what works. All, all the scripts he was writing are now getting rejiggered for two minutes. Everything is getting recreated. But with podcasting, it's like you want to do a three-hour conversation or you want to do a 30-minute conversation. It's fine. It doesn't matter. And yeah. everybody who's subscribed to the Jordan Harbinger show feed is going to see that, yes, I had Ray Dalio on. And, yes, mm -hmm. I had Kobe Bryant on. But in between them, I had this 
I had Nicole Perlroth, who you never heard of, that talks about cybersecurity and hacking. And then I had this guy on about Chinese military development. And they're still going to see those and they'll go, I'll listen to this. I like this Jordan guy. YouTube, your subscribers will never see that because the algorithm serves almost all the views now. And so with podcasting, we're really the only place where you can create what you want and your subscribers will actually see it without right. an intermediary of a platform being like, actually, we want them to see this other thing because we can inject more ads. Yeah, it's automated reality TV. It's funny, I have this thing with my kids and I know we're coming up on some time here, but- That's okay, we can go a little longer. I made you wait for a while, so- oh, I'm no, gonna, okay. yeah. but I have this, this funny analogy for it. I call it talkie. Like, you know, talkies, the chips? You ever had those before? Like a walk, wait. Talk- oh, those, yeah, like those, uh, his, uh, I almost said Hispanic chips. They're not actually. Well, it, oops. well yeah, I don't know if they I, are. I don't not. know. They, I've seen them a lot in Mexico. I know that chips don't have an ethnicity, so there's that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're these like uber, uber spicy, super sour. Yeah. Like they're this all intensity. It's all intensity. It's all just one big blast of climax in your mouth right there all at once, just like the YouTube videos my kids watch. And I'm like, it's nothing but screaming at the pinnacle of what happened at the game. There's no buildup. Yeah. There's no character, nothing. And you're right. So I think that that's just a lost cause as far as like people's attention spans and interest have waned so much. I mean, you know, we're probably a similar age range, give or take. And I'm wondering, you know, do you see drop off? You know, I don't mean about your necessarily your own show, but just with everything like Rogan has gained a pretty interesting following collectively. Maybe just a bit of his style, his fashion the whole advocacy for like psychedelics he's, he's managed to capture a pretty cool and then yeah. mma and have you getting, tried dmt man yeah <laughs> there you go right so everyone's going to kind of zero in on that mm-hmm. that are a little bit on the edge and then the ones that are a little more straight laced are going to hear some of his guests that come on there what do you predict i guess as a final point here you know what's going to happen i mean no one can tell i know this is all vague and, and strange but yeah. man I'll tell you, we're in weird times and i'd just love to take your uh, get your perspective on it so we can have it memorialized we are in weird times i Look, I'm I'm actually quite encouraged by the fact that people who talk for two or three hours mm-hmm. are seeing people listen to the majority of their shows. And I look at my completion statistics in my hosting software and, in, and on Spotify and things like that. People yeah. are listening to like 95% of the show, right? So that's good because that means they're skipping the part where I'm like, here's where you can find me on Instagram because they've heard it a thousand times already. So I'm, I forgive yeah. them for that. Right. And I'm like, this is really good. People are making it through this whole thing. Uh, YouTube, I know a lot of YouTubers that have two, three hour conversations. Those are really popular. Look at, I mean, again, look at Joe Rogan. Those yeah. are two and three hour shows. Sure. Some people are probably like gardening while they listen. Who cares? That's fine. They're still making yeah. it through a lot of these things. That's really, sure. really encouraging because right. that means that the long form is not is far from dead. There is going to, there is seemingly like a split happening mm-hmm. where some people are looking at things on TikTok that are, I don't know, how long is it TikTok? 90 seconds or shorter? 30 yeah, seconds? Average, maybe. Yeah. Something really so, short. So that's, that's really short and a little disturbing. But I also, I wonder, and I, I don't know if there's data on this. Do those same people also consume hour long podcasts or do they only consume things that are like 30 seconds long? If so, then there's going to be kind of two different kinds of people out there, TikTok yeah. people and podcast people. Uh, but what's great about podcasting is we don't have to respond to the market. We are making the market. And when I yeah. look at podcasts, the majority of the ones that I subscribe to that are quite popular, they're mm-hmm. all like 45 to an hour or mm-hmm. more. Right. And that's a really good sign because that means that people are not looking. If you get a TV show that's an hour long, 25 minutes of that is shit is commercials, period. At, yeah. le- at least 25 minutes of it is commercials. 
with podcasting, it's like four minutes of that or six minutes of that as commercials, and the rest of it is good stuff. It's not rehashed. It's not like those reality shows where they replay the old thing over. It's really, really, really interesting to see that that's, that is, is growing, that the market segment for yep. that is actually growing. So that's really encouraging. I don't have age data. You know, I don't know if we're just like yeah. boomers now where we listen to things that are longer than five seconds and that makes us weird. But yeah. I'm, I'm encouraged by the fact that, uh, oh, I'll, I'm encouraged by the fact that the market, not just for listening, but the market for advertising is also responding well to podcasts. Because if you look at the, at the CPM, which is mm -hmm. the cost per thousand views that you get paid if you do, let's say, a Instagram post or a TikTok story, it's like right. just a few bucks. For mm -hmm. podcasts, it's like 30 plus dollars. Yeah, and that's so that's really great. So what that means is the the good old free market, which is one of the most accurate sort of predictors of value that humanity has ever mm -hmm. invented, uh, it has said that somebody who's listening to you and I talk right now yeah. is 10 plus times more valuable than somebody who is watching you and I jump on a table full of food and be like, it's a prank, bro, right? Yeah. Like we are yeah. minimum of 10 times. And if you have more than one ad in your show, now you're making, which you can if you're a podcaster and you definitely cannot if you're a TikTok or like on YouTube. Now you're talking about, my audience will listen to four or five ads and that's less than average. And so they're happy with me, right? Because average right. hour plus show has six to eight ads, which is a little much. I do like four or five. Mm -hmm. So now, you have to make, you have to get a video that has like 2 million views or 3 million views before I can, you get paid even remotely the same amount as me, uh, right. in my first 100,000 views or, or 200,000 views or whatever of the show. Right. That is a really sh sort of shocking indictment or a really good, uh, instead of a shocking indictment of everything else, maybe it's a really good endorsement for the type of person that's listening to a podcast and the relationship that we have with our audience. And that's a really big deal because that means that we can influence people. And so that's one of the reasons why, you know, when, when podcasters say, Hey, I'm don't listen to me. It's like, well, actually, you know, people are, so you do have to be a little careful. Mm -hmm. And I'm very careful with what I do and say on my platform uh, right. for that reason. Cause you're a role model, whether you like it or not, you're an example, sure. whether you like it or not. And if you don't believe me, then how come your advertisers aren't aren't canceling on you? You're yes. influencing people to support the show and buy that that mattress that you're shilling, right? So yeah. obviously, if you tell them that you smoke weed instead of eating oatmeal for breakfast, people who are listening to you, some percentage are going to do that too, right? Yeah, no, totally agree. That's really really encouraging, like you said, and something I had no idea about because I was I was feeling a little fatalistic about it. I'm like, oh yeah, man. is this just a dying art? Because what's left? Like, where do we honestly go from here? Because that's another thing is like you know. This is, you know, I started looking at the podcast and I was like, okay, this is just re recreated radio. It's like ham radio re recreated in, in a certain way where <laughs> now you can listen in kind of voyeuristically onto someone else's conversation. Cool. But it's more than that. And I think, you know, to your point, and I'm pleased to hear what you said, because it's a very good note to kind of end on, which is that this is a, a very, hopefully bright future. I know it's just your and I, my opinion right now, but I think that you have a really good sense of the pulse of the way this is going. You're in it. And I'm watching a little bit more on the outside still. And well, look, no. man, Spotify paid like a hundred million bucks for Joe Rogan. Do you, you think go. they did that because it's a dying art? That's a big right. bet. It is. And then they spent what 50 or 60 million on call her daddy yeah, or whatever. Daddy. And then they yep. spent 80 million on smart lists or something like that. Like mm -hmm. they're spending, let's say half a billion 
dollars yeah. in the next few years on podcasts. I mean, that's a really big bet if it's just Daniel Leck being like, you know, I just love the spoken word art form. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is a business. Yeah. It's a business and it's a growing business for sure. Very true. And there's Apple behind the scenes, very quietly happy, knowing all about it from the very beginning. Yeah. Having yeah. done, frankly, nothing to somehow nothing to capture more market share or encourage it. But Amazing. you know, that's Apple because it's a rounding error in their revenue thing every every year. And it never that's will be anything that. more. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Well, this has been uh, this has been awesome. As 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 yeah, predicted, man. there's a billion tangents. As my dad used to say, you know, a lot of tangents mean uh, plenty more good conversations and good friendships to to manifest. So, yeah, man. Love to this do it again. Fun one. I yeah. agree. Yeah, this was fun. I, again, I'm sorry I made you wait a little while. I had something go okay. longer, but this was a lot of fun. I really yeah. enjoyed the conversation. You're a smart, dude. And yeah, I feel like there's a lot more in the can that we could or in the, you know, in the in this can that we yeah. could go back to and and draw yeah. upon. We didn't even get into any of the cyber no, hacking, crazy we, social engineer stuff. We didn't even touch that. Well, we'll get there sometime. I got We got to do it again and hear about yeah. the wiretapping thing. And I got to tell you sure. about laser microphones, which are all, all kinds of fun. So you talk about what microphone? Sorry, oh, I broke up for a sec. Laser microphone. So use them to Is that yeah, it's it's information gathering. So I can be half a mile away from your office building and point a laser microphone at the window of the boardroom and get the laser to oh, bounce yeah. back and turn that into a uh a wave so, file and then hear the, the call that's going on so or the meeting. Yeah. I've heard of this like years and years ago. Yeah. And old. it's cool as hell because imagine it just picks up the vibration from the window and it's like that turns that into and then that that kind of thing is like that yeah. gets you interested in technology and spy stuff, or you are just not that person. Because when you hear wow. that, you're like, wow, that's genius. And it makes yeah. me wonder, maybe you know the answer to this. It makes me wonder, can you do that on concrete and bricks too? Probably. Yeah. yeah. You can. You can get them sensitive enough. You just have to be able to take out the 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 the, the like ambient noise that's associated with it. Because if there's pipes going through the, the concrete, like water pipes or ventilation or HVAC systems, you got to scrub that out, but you can do it. Absolutely. I mean, that's algorithmic though, right? It I mean, is. you can sample yeah. this and go, here's ambient, here's plumbing noise from this building that we sampled yeah. five minutes before the conversation happened. Scrub that out. It's basic. Yep. I mean, that's, we use plugins like Isotope for my show mm -hmm. and we'll scrub out like my, my producer has plugins for things that are like, Jordan's air conditioner, like Jordan's room <laughs> yeah. fan. And it's just that right. frequency, that very specifically small sort of band yeah. or like Jordan's stove in the next room my wife's using. And he's like, oh, I just run this and it gets rid of all that. And you can't even tell. Yeah, it's incredible. It's really genius. Something. Yeah. And it's like old so, school tech now, you know, by yeah. every standard. You don't need it anymore. You just go get it through IP. And that's the way it works today. But oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah that's true way more stuff to talk about here. But Jordan, thank you so much. Yeah, really man. great having you here. And let's do it again My sometime pleasure. soon. Yep. Well, it was a lot of fun. Thanks so much. You got it. Take care.